Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog covering your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I'm joined this week by Rachel Buells. How's it going, Rachel? Good. How are you? I'm all right. We had a massive power outage here on the south side of Columbus, but power just came back on, and fingers crossed that it stays through the recording here. Uh, I was right. afraid we we're going we're gonna to have to uh, record by candlelight, uh, just like our <laughs> forefathers podcasted. Sunday marked the one-year anniversary of the blockbuster trade where the Blue Jackets dealt away Pierre-Luc Dubois, and in return, they got Patrick Laine and Jack Rozovic. It was a year ago. It seems like much, much longer ago than that. We're already on our second season since then. Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, he went. He had just 20 points in 41 games last season for Winnipeg. This season's going much better for him. He has 17 goals, 12 assists, and 38 games. So he's on pace to easily double his production. Jack Rozovic was a surprising gem of the trade. He had 12 goals, 22 assists, and 48 games last year. Career highs, despite it being a shortened season for him. This year, though, just six goals, 10 assists, and 38 games. Uh, Patrick Laine... Had 10 goals, 11 assists, and 45 games for Columbus last year. Very hot and cold season for him there. This season, he started out with uh, 10 points in his first nine games. Got hurt. Since he's come back, just three goals and two assists in 11 games since then. So, Rachel, a year out, what are your thoughts on that trade? Does it still look like a good trade, a bad trade, or kind of what you thought was going to happen at the time? Yeah, I mean, I, gosh, that's a loaded question, of course, because there's so many different moving parts to this. I am a public and proud PLD supporter. I was sad to see him go. I understood that his chemistry with the team was not working. So I, I'm glad. I really like Line and Roslovic as additions to the team um line is just god i mean he's been going through it this season having lost his dad suddenly and i think all of that considered he still is his production has been looking excellent lately 
I like if I'm being honest, and I go to all the home games and watch most of the away games. Like I kind of had forgotten about Roslovic. Like he had just <laughs> become pretty like he wasn't doing anything. And then just last week, I read the athletics piece on how he's been kind of tanking. And I was like, oh, man, like I how have I not been paying attention? But yeah, I mean, he just has become kind of we're like, I feel like when I see Line on the ice, whether he's performing well or he's not, I'm like noticing him. Like Roslovic mm, just sure. kind of fell off the radar for me, um, which sucks because when I, I feel like kind of it's a oh how the turntables have turned kind of <laughs> scenario, where at the top of the trade when it started, like Roslovic was this you know back to Columbus like shining star, yeah, kind of the gem of that trade and. It's not that it's totally flipped, but he is certainly not keeping up with his production. Um, I don't know if expectations is the right word. Maybe potential. Sure. And I think Line is just doing the best he can with a lot of other circumstances happening in his life. Um, I think that both of them have a lot of room for improvement, obviously. But uh, to me, Line has been the most impactful of, of that trade. And frankly, I have no idea how pld's doing up in winnipeg um i haven't been keeping like close tabs but uh i hope he's doing okay i don't I, but I, I think it was a successful trade is what i'm saying okay interesting yeah so, so yeah pld has definitely you know it was a rough start for him in winnipeg last year but this season he's been back to the pld that he was in columbus you know the, what what we always expected from him winnipeg themselves they are as a team are are having some struggles there. Their their coach, you know, uh, stepped down mid season. It's looking like it's going to be an uphill battle for them to get back to the playoffs. But PLD is having a great year, and Good. all three all three of these players are restricted free agents this summer. So it'll be interesting to see what what their next contracts look like. I think PLD is looking like he's going to earn himself probably another step up from his current contract. Lonnie and Roslovic, though. Not so much. Um, so then the question becomes, do Line and Roslovic have a future in Columbus? You know, is it worth committing to either of these guys long term based on what we've seen from them? So it sounds like you're maybe still pretty positive on both of these guys as long term pieces. Is that correct? I would say that if I had to pick a long term piece, it would be Line. A. I mm-hmm. would say maybe Roslovic. And I don't know, cause and and I don't I don't like to be a negative Nancy about any <laughs> of these guys, um, cause I watch them play a lot. Not you know, so does everyone who listens to this podcast. But like, I love watching them. They're so fun together on the ice. They're like with each other and with everyone else. Like I don't I don't think that they're having like chemist like team chemistry issues. But like I just don't know if Roslovic has a long term future of success with the team like line a could possibly have i think line a is just in a place where he just needs to tweak a couple elements of his games and tighten a couple things up um i feel like when he's good he's great but when he's bad it's noticeable um and and also i feel like he tends to fall apart with the team like where you have Mm. guys like boone jenner who like pick it up and you know are a one-man show like when the rest of the team is flailing i feel like when the team flails um, and doesn't do well, like line a is like leading the pack. So I don't know. So that being said, like he, but 
to just say I want a fair weather player out of line A like long term also doesn't make sense. So I don't really want to see either of them go. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't I'm not so like married to the idea of like, oh, he's a Columbus guy. Like he needs to be here, whatever. I mean, we're chock full of those guys. So if Roslovic had a better chance at, you know, they're both so young. Um playing with another team, then I think that that could maybe be a good fit for him. Um, and uh, But I would like to see Line a stick around for a little bit longer because I just don't think that his potential has been fully unlocked yet. And I just think he's had a lot of extraneous stuff going on that is certainly impacting his mental state and his play, and he can't help that. So, Yeah, I, I, agree, with, I agree with that, that Line a is definitely the better long-term bet just because he has some elite talent. And Jack Rosvick, I think, is a, is a nice role player type, and he certainly has offensive skill, but not at the elite level that Line A does. Uh, my frustration with Line A recently is he has this great shot, but he just seems so tentative over the last handful of games, and I don't, I don't know what the reason for that is. I feel like it is a confidence thing, you know, like he's waiting for the perfect shot, and when you have such a great shot like that, right. the point of having a great shot like that is that you don't need to wait for the perfect shot. Just put right. it on net. And, you know, because he's capable of shooting it, you know, over 100 miles per hour. And he's capable of pinpoint accuracy. So he can get it through the tight windows. He can give it enough power that it can take the right kind of bounce and go in anyway. Um, you know, there was the, I think it was the uh, the Philadelphia game. First two periods of that, I really did not like his play. I thought he was being way too tentative. Third period, he finally, it was a great pass from Boone Jenner to set him up, and he just let it unleashed on it. And it went in the net, top shelf. And it's like, yes, do do more of that. Um, but then I feel like the game since then, he's regressed again. You know, the game on Sunday against Ottawa, he had zero shot attempts at five on five. And that's not just shot on goals, like didn't even miss a shot, didn't even have a shot block, did not take any attempts at a shot at five on five in that game. And that's just not acceptable. <laughs> it just, right. I don't, I, they don't need to be good shots. Just take shots. Um, I was looking at, at the numbers this season again, because I feel like he started the season so well in those first nine games, he was shooting 13%. Since he's come back from injury, he's shooting 10.7%. So the, the shots aren't falling maybe like they were at the start. But he also, he took 23 shots in those first nine games, and he has 28 shots in 11 games after the injury. So I feel like he's not shooting as much. And I also looked at comparing his Columbus tenure to his Winnipeg tenure, and he shot 15.2% in Winnipeg. He's shooting 12.3% in Columbus. So a little bit of bad luck there in Columbus compared to when he was putting up 40 goals in Winnipeg. He also took three shots per game in Winnipeg, two shots per game in Columbus. Doesn't feel like a big difference, but, you know, one shot per game, that adds up. And especially when it comes, some games where he has, you know, six to ten shots on goal, and then other games where he has absolutely nothing. Because he's a bit, he's a one-dimensional player. Now, the one dimension is fantastic. Mm -hmm. The problem is when you're not, when he's not doing anything with that one dimension, then what is he providing to the team? And like you said, when he's not playing well, it is very noticeable that he's not playing well. 
Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for doing your homework. That was seriously, (laughs) that was illuminating. And again, like I, I watch these guys that, you know, at the, at home and stuff and, but I don't have all the numbers uh, on, Mm -hmm. on deck like you do, but I think just from watching him play and just from his media availabilities and just things like that, I feel like he understands obviously the expectation of him is to be a productive goal scorer um or at least right it fire shots on net because again of his dimensions of which he has few that's the big one is being this line a laser um and stepping up when the team needs him whether that's an overtime um or just in general putting shots on goal um and yeah he has been doing that lately and so i guess my read on his vibe is that he's kind of just stuck in his own head because he know it's not like he's confused about the expectations that the team that his coaches and that his teammates have of him um I think maybe he's just putting too much pressure on himself and that's causing him to be doubtful um which is crazy because if if I was first of all a hockey player a lot of ifs here <laughs> if I was a hockey player and if I had a shot like that I would want to be shooting all the time so clearly right. I th- you know he um he knows that's what he should be doing I just am like, I don't know. Again, I know he's just had a tumultuous couple of months. Um, and so I'm kind of giving him a big benefit of the doubt there. I know he is capable of so much more. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, when he's not hot, it's very, very evident. So I'm hoping that that switch flips here pretty soon. Sure. And, and, and for anyone that would, you know, accuse him of not caring or not trying, I don't think that's it. I think Mm -mm. he does care. Like you said, I think he knows full well what the expectations are. And I do think the pressure might be getting to him there, but I don't think it's that he doesn't care. Um, I think he's, he's maybe not a guy that has a natural intuition for hockey. And so I feel like sometimes he's maybe thinking too hard about what he needs to be doing, um, which that's something that I would put on the coaches to put him in situations where he can play more instinctively and just, trust his instincts and just put him, Hey, we're not expecting anything from you other than, you know, get to the spot, shoot the puck, do that kind of thing. You know, maybe simplify the game for him. Maybe that could unleash him. Maybe that could take some pressure off or it could be the thing. I've talked about this a lot. I've written about this a lot. This probably sounds like a broken record, but shooters are streaky. Goal scorers Mm -hmm. often go through streaks and sometimes very extreme streaks of hot and cold. And it could be the matter of he just needs like one great game to get him going. And then he can just build on it from there. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, Boone Jenner being a, I mean, I don't know. I just think that to play on a team with a player like that, who wasn't a known goal scorer and was Mm -hmm. pretty cold prior to this season. I think to me, that just shows that anyone, not, not that. Okay. Anyone in the NHL could do that um, to step up and, and be that player for their team. And yeah, line is like a young guy and has a lot of stuff going on. And I think that he just hasn't quite been able to rise to that challenge yet. Um, and I think that when he does, he'll be dangerous. I hope that that's with the blue jackets, but um, I think no matter what, as soon as right, he kind of gets outside of his own head of being tentative to shoot. Um, mm-hmm then yeah because if he's just rocketing pucks on net like you know whether or not they're directly going in or they're ricocheting or whatever like that's all the we need more offense like that I mean we famously are bad at scoring goals sometimes (laughs) so yeah that's what we need 
Yeah, and, and I would. And we still have half the season left, so I would like to see the Jackets hold on to him through the season and see if he can work his way through it, and then make decisions in the summer as to whether or not to sign him or trade him. Uh, Roslevic, yep. if you know, if the right offer comes along by the deadline and move him then, that's fine. Because again, I think maybe some playoff team could see him as a role player that they could get something out of, you know, or maybe again, if it. If the right offer doesn't come along, then reconsider in the summer and maybe trading him then. But yeah, line A, let's definitely be patient and see if things can finally click because I think there's certainly the chance that they could. Yep, totally agree. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to our next topic, the week that was. The Jackets had a bit of an extended break because of a game that was postponed a few weeks back. They had had that horrific 9-2 loss at Florida, and I was, got to say, a little bit satisfied to see that in their first practice back, basically they were put through a bag skate. And it sounds like Brad Larson also showed a different side of himself and that he was losing it at some players. He was raising his voice. He was getting into it, some guys. And honestly, after a loss like that, that's kind of what the team needed. And I was curious to see how they would respond to it. So they beat Philadelphia two to one. They lost to Pittsburgh five to two in a game though. That was a lot closer than that score says. Totally. But then they came out and they lost two one to Ottawa which was a game that I really thought that they should have won going into that. So what grade would you give the Blue Jackets for that entire week of effort? I'm going to be harsh. I'm going to say like a C minus because a C is average. So maybe even like a D plus because like, ugh. and I know they had that big win over Carolina right before Florida. And like, that was cool. But man, that Florida, that Florida was just an F. Yeah, um, that was terrible. And then, yeah, sounds like they did get kind of a come to Jesus chat practice after that. But then, yeah, and so I would say that the bright spot in the past week of game, and then the Flyers was like kind of an ugly two to one win. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we'll take it. We needed it. I mean, but the Flyers are also famously in- incredibly on the struggle right. bus um, <laughs> right now too. So it was 
I think the headline for that pre- our preview for that was two desperate teams <laughs> are playing each other. Yeah. And like, literally, unfortunately, that's the scenario. So, but I thought they needed that win going into Pittsburgh Friday night. And first of all, that game was crazy because in the last three years that I've worked in the arena I, and at the home games, I have, it felt like I was at an away Blue Jackets game. Mm. Like there were so many Pittsburgh fans there. And I know that that's like generally the case, but it was like when they were scoring, it, it was crazy because, and then obviously Crosby had his hat trick and everything, but it was, uh, the vibes were bad <laughs> for a Friday night home game in Columbus because it was so, it felt like 60-40 Pittsburgh. And then when they were winning and gaining momentum, it felt like even more, and Blue Jackets fans were leaving. Um, it was crazy. I don't remember ever working another game exactly like that, even the Pittsburgh games. Um, but they, but they played well, the Blue Jackets played well, like they looked good. They had opportunities. The score was unfortunate. I don't feel like it really reflected their effort. Um, and not even their effort, but the quality of their play, because sometimes they try hard and still don't look good. But I felt like on Friday night, they tried hard and looked good, good. And then just, they Mm -hmm. weren't getting the results. And then, yeah, the Ottawa game was just disappointing. Like that, the one goal, uh, for a check to Corrali, that was, that looked awesome. That was great. Um, and then, and that was in the like last 30 seconds of the first period, <laughs> which generally that's when the blue jackets are getting scored right. on. So it was great. But then of course they let one in like in 30 seconds of, of that fir- top of that first period. So, and then just nothing, it was a very boring two periods after that. And the senators scored and that is not a team. I mean, we were making Forsberg look so good. Like that was not a team that we should have lost to. So I stand by, I'll say C, I'm going to say C minus for the past week. If we're not counting the hurricanes, then right. yeah, C minus. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would, if I was being generous, I would say C plus. I'm not as concerned about the record. Because, you know, I know that this is not a playoff team. I know this might not even really be a a 500 team even. And that's fine. You know, I, and I'm not one that, I'm not rooting for the team to tank. I don't think it's right to root for your team to lose. I think if your team is bad and they do lose, you can use the draft as um, justification for why you shouldn't feel as bad about it. You Mm -hmm. know, but in the moment, I want the team to win every game. After the fact, if they don't win every game, Okay, fine. We're on schedule. Um, I do take a positive away from it, which is I think this team has gotten so much better defensively. Um, And this could even go back to shutting out Carolina, who's a tremendous team. If we shut them out and then you take the Florida game out of it, the last three games we've had really, really great defensive effort from the Jackets. I feel like um, anytime there is a loose puck after the goalie makes a save, a jacket is there right on the puck, clearing it out, getting it up the, the defensive zone. And this is something we've struggled with all season. Uh, but this feels kind of like a return to the way they played defensively in December of 2019, you know, when mm-hmm. things really started to turn around in that season. Now, what we're also seeing, which we saw back then, was as a result of that intense focus on defense – the offense suffers. So right. we, need to, we need to find that happy medium of yeah. being responsible in the defensive zone, but like, let's not sacrifice all offensive aggression and creativity and all that. But, you know, 
the season is a work in progress. It's about development. So as far as baby steps go, it's nice to see that they were finally able to address the defense like I've been hoping that they would. Yeah, and that's with a couple notable absences throughout the yes. week in Bokvist and um, Gavrikov. So, and they still managed to, yeah, look right. Because that is kind of, I feel like the Blue Jackets bread and butter, or at least it was, was, you know, obviously being a defensive powerhouse. And I feel like at the beginning of this season, like something we were doing a lot was like leaving Corpy and Elvis out to dry in yeah. some situations. And I've been seeing less of that. So that has been um, good. I will say I did not watch the Florida game. Uh, so I, I mean, nine to two, that's horrendous. I, you know, whatever. I'm sure that was everybody's fault. Um, <laughs> not just goalies or defensemen or whatever. But um, anyways, I, I, I don't feel like, they have been leaving their goalies in as many situations where they're just set up to fail. Um, like they, I think they kind of struggled with that in the beginning of the season. And I think they've been probably working on that because, um, because it needed to be fixed it needed to be addressed. And uh, especially with the goalies of the caliber that we have, right. um, I don't necessarily feel like their stats reflect some of the efforts that they make. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. feel bad for Cor- Corpy. I feel like always gets the short end of that stick. Yeah. Well, and, and obviously Elvis has been getting that lately as well. Um, just so much, uh, so many shots allowed, so many expected goals allowed and the goalies have, it's been a tall order for them to even bail out the defense when it's been that bad. Um, but then at the same time this week with the better defense, we've also seen better performances from the goalies on the shots that have gotten through as well. Um, you know, I thought Corpy was really strong against Pittsburgh, which I honestly yeah. didn't. Yeah, expect. he looked good. Um, and, and against both Philadelphia and Ottawa, I, I thought Elvis was perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, you know that. Yeah, you said that Florida game. I watched parts of it. I about halfway through, I stopped watching it because what was the point? Um, I I think it was a game where yeah, everything went wrong, and it was a game where Florida scored a couple times early, and things just spiraled out of control. So one thing I really loved about the Pittsburgh game is that the Penguins scored what, within the first minute or so of that one, and uh, the Jackets didn't let things get out of control. They just mm-hmm. stuck to their game plan, you know, eventually got a goal back, you know, tied it up, you know, even, you know, then took the lead in the first period. You know, it was 2-2 there at the end of the first period, and, um, you know, they kept the scoreless then through the second. Um, it was just... Pittsburgh is, is red hot coming into it. Really yeah. strong team this year. And for 50 minutes of the game, the Jackets hung right with them. And yep. I really thought we had something when Domi scored that goal. Mm-hmm. But once that was overturned, that's where I felt composure left. And there were, took a lot of dumb penalties after that. And that's what took them out of the game. Um, so I forgot about that. Yeah. You just reminded me. Giant bummer. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> Here's my, this is my very specific bone I have to pick with all those. I have been getting, I don't know what it is, but the goals that get overturned, I get great pictures of. And then Mm. nothing, I can't, I don't get to use them or the team doesn't get to use them when, and I had this great picture of Domi hugging. I don't remember who it was. Uh, Maybe it was Bayreuthers. It was one of the guys that's like not always on the roster. Right. it was awesome. And then I'm like, man, if I had a dollar, 
And I know everyone feels that way, but like, God, it's just, and then, yeah, that really does just suck the momentum out of the room uh, when that happens. And that, that is not a game where they could have really afforded a big momentum loss like that. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And then, you know, Crosby with his freaking hat trick and everything else. So, so yeah, bad. so bad. I know. Um, you know, well, maybe for some uh, gallows humor, you can do a, uh, a post with, pictures of celebrations of goals that didn't count (laughs) that's a that's a great idea that's a great idea i'm sure i could i'm sure i could put something together because seriously i'm like it's happened a lot (laughs) yeah it has it literally has happened a lot at home this season oh it's been bad so yeah so that's something you need to work on just practice not being offsides all right so in the little bit of time we've got left here uh, we've got a busy week coming up with uh four games two sets of back-to-backs first flames on Wednesday, followed by the Rangers, both in Columbus. Uh, the flames were a surprise team at the start of the season. They got slammed by COVID. At some point they had like 18 or so of their NHL players on the COVID list. They've struggled since then coming back. They are, they've only won three of their last 10. Uh, the Rangers though are first in the Metro by points uh, third in the Metro by points percentage. Then over the weekend, the Jackets take a trip to Montreal, who are the worst team in the league. And then they get the Panthers at home. The Panthers, this is fascinating to me. At home, they are 21-3. and three, And on the road, they are 7-6-5. and five. Wow. So I, you know, I, I watched parts of that game where the Jackets just got creamed. And then on Sunday night, I was watching parts of the Panthers at Seattle. And the Panthers looked very pedestrian against a not very good Seattle team. So uh-huh. I'm very curious to see, again, these teams rematch so soon. And also to see if the Panthers, again, if those road woes continue. And the Jackets are a team who I feel they play with more energy at home. So let's see if that changes. Um, so... What record do you think we will get? How many win? How many wins do you think we can get out of those four games? Okay, well, if we don't beat Montreal, I'm gonna have a serious problem because that, like, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be like how it felt last night losing to the Senators, but like times five. Um, so course, yeah. I'm hoping I am I am going to say with ninety percent confidence we will have that win. Obviously, with the Panthers, it's personal. So I think you're exactly <laughs> right. The The Blue Jackets do have a better presence at home. And the Panthers, uh, on the other side of that coin, have a, a worse presence on the road. Um, so I think that that would be kind of, you know, all the circumstances aligning for the Blue Jackets to be able to perform well, um, should, they, should they choose to do so. Rangers, eh, we're going to lose. And... I just feel like that's been the theme of losing to the Rangers at home recently. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Someone can check me on that, but I feel like the last couple times Panarin's been in the house, we've lost. Um, And uh, Calgary, um, I wish them well on their COVID journeys. I feel like these Canadian teams are just getting smacked. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully we can overcome them as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to conservatively say bat 500 and hope that we win against Montreal and Calgary. Actually, I'm going to go at a nice 66% uh, 
Ooh. Well, I guess I, I can't do that, really. But I'm, I'm going to say I have a good feeling about this Panthers rematch. Okay. But I don't want to fully stake a three-game. I'm already, I'm already feeling good about two. I'm feeling good about a Panthers rematch, but I could also see it going sideways very quickly. Um, and I think we're going to lose to the Rangers, so that's my prediction. I will say two and two, but I will guess that we beat the Rangers. And this is based on absolutely no logic whatsoever. This is basically just be wish casting, but uh, and maybe even go one and three, but with the win being over the Rangers, because that would make no sense. And the things that make no sense make sense for this team this year. Yeah, that's totally correct. Um, and I could, you know, I would not be surprised to see it play out that way because right. Like the beating the hurricanes made no sense. And then immediately turning around and getting smoked by the Panthers made a little bit more sense, but like not really on the tails of the win that they just had. Right. So yeah, lit- literally anything can happen. Um, I do think that they will be, I don't know. I just really think that they will be on their, they should be on their a game. If, if for no one else, definitely the Panthers. And I also yeah. feel like the the Rangers is always a personal game um, for them as well. But I just feel like we're not as equipped to um, perform well against them as, as we are the Panthers at home. So we'll see. Any final thoughts? Maybe my last final thought is that I am just absolutely loving all this snow and um i'm sorry that it caused some power outage issues in your neighborhood <laughs> not knock on wood that has not been the case in clintonville yet but um i have been taking a lot of walks in the snow and it's been great and that's my final thought yeah i am less crazy about taking walks in the snow um because the sidewalks in my neighborhood are uneven and the streets are a little slick and i worry about the dog pulling me off balance and yeah so that's been a little bit less pleasant to to stomp around in, but it is pretty to look at. I will, I will give you that. So, I just moved along the bike trail, so and they Ooh. OSU keeps that nice and plowed, so it's it's pretty safe. I wish this is the this is when I wish I had a dog. I wish I had a dog to walk. Mm-hmm. So if you need a dog walker, let me know. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, well, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. For more content from the canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to angelaperla.com for more music and show dates.